Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. And welcome back. I am here in Cambridge, Massachusetts with Amanda Nurse. Amanda, thanks for joining today. Thanks for having me. For sure. So let's kick it off with the million dollar question. Who is Amanda? Oh, Amanda is a mom to a two-year-old, a marathon runner. I've run 21 marathons, soon to be 22. And yeah, a Bostonian, I guess, at heart at this point. I'm originally from Portland, Maine. Um, I have two sisters, um, but I've been living in Brooklyn for the last 10 years. And yeah, Boston's certainly home at this point. That's awesome. And so... You got into running casually, I'd say, and now you're taking it a little more serious. Um, and you've taken what almost an hour off of off of the time from your first marathon to the to where you're at now. Yeah, so I ran my first marathon in 2010. It was with the Dana Farber Marathon Challenge team for Boston, and. Truthfully, before that, I don't think I'd ever run more than a 10K. Kind of the the marathon of Maine, in my opinion, was the Beach to Beacon 10K. <laughs> and that was kind of what I had always aspired to run. And I ran that my senior year of high school and felt like a million bucks. I had run a 10K. It's like, you know, six miles, but um, never thought I would run anything more than that. And then I played lacrosse at Bowdoin College and realized that I was actually running a lot more in lacrosse than I really thought I was and found running when I graduated college, uh, moved to Boston and just figured I didn't really have a hobby at the time and I wanted to meet some new friends. So why not run the Boston Marathon? And so in 2010, I joined that team, ran my first race and the rest is history. I think I ran a 326 that year and was really just shooting for sub four and to enjoy the race. And I enjoyed every moment of it. I crossed the finish line and I was ready to sign up for my next one. (laughs) So I think since then, I've pretty much run two marathons a year. um, And it feels weird when I'm not training for one at this point. So, yeah. Cool. And you're training for a pretty big one at the moment, right? Yeah, I'm training for my second Olympic marathon trials right now. So how's that process going? It's going awesome. Um, Truthfully, I was never really a runner that had a coach for the most part. When I was on the Dana-Farber team, I ran under uh, Jack Foltz, who is the uh, 1976 Boston Marathon winner. And he's amazing. Um, but he was also coaching 500 runners at the time. You know, it's it's a big team. And I, I never had an individual coach. So um, back in 2015, when I qualified for my first Olympic trials, I hired our good friend, uh, Terry Shea, who was previously the BAA assistant coach. 
Um, he's a really good friend of my husband's. And within nine weeks, I saw a big change in my running. I went from a 246 to a 240 in a, just a couple of months. And then I, that was how I qualified for the trials. Um, he stopped taking marathon um, runners for, you know, I think probably the last two years, he hasn't really been taking on any new clients. So I decided to just do some own, my own self coaching um, and found that I did a lot better when I had somebody watching over me <laughs> and giving me workouts, even though I'm a personal coach myself. Um, I found that I don't push myself to my limits the way that I like to push others. So I hired a, a friend of mine, Caitlin Goodman, um, who's an incredible runner herself. She's qualified in the the 5,000 meter, the 10,000 meter, and the marathon distances in the Olympic trials. And um, and future podcast guest as well. Yeah, no, definitely. She'll be great. Um, and I started with her this past June in 2019. And I have just loved being coached by her. She's kind of a lower mileage um, runner the same way I am. And so she just knows kind of like how to train me. Um, I think with my busy schedule and my son, it's just, it's a lot um, to try to fit in, you know, 80 plus mile week. So I'm probably capping out at 85 miles per week in this training cycle. And it's been working out great. So I've seen some big improvements in my time since being coached by her. Um, and I love just the direction I feel like my running's going in right now. And I, I found that it's really nice to have someone um, see your potential more than you can see your own. Yeah, we were talking about that on the run a couple of weeks ago. And, and when someone believes in you emotionally, but also like they know it from a data-backed standpoint – it's pretty, I don't want to say validating, but recon, uh, it's a good confirmation. Oh, definitely. Sure. Like she was telling me to run, you know, 5.30 pace for, um, you know, 2K repeats the other day. And I looked at the workout. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. <laughs> but I got out there and I just, you know, looked at my, was looking at my watch. I'm like, no, oh, I can't do this. Yeah. Like, this is awesome. And I never would have challenged myself that way. So it's it's nice to have someone else. Um, tell you you can do something and then yeah. you can actually see it, the progress being made. For sure. So you mentioned you've got a pretty busy schedule. Um, you're a coach yourself. You have a two-year-old. You're married. You have you know a lot of clients as well. Let's talk about the balance between all of the different hats that you wear. How do you, how do you manage that? So it takes a village. That is for certain. Um, my son goes to daycare three days a week and he, he loves it. Honestly, he also spends um, some time with both grandmothers during the week. Um, so I do have um, some time to myself that I'm able to dedicate to my running. Um, but, um, it's, it is like, it makes a big difference when you're a, a parent, um, you have to kind of parcel out exact time. Like, okay, this is my hour and a half I right. get, you know, to do my run and then I have to go pick them up from school or something. And so I think it makes me a more dedicated runner to know that I have certain times of the day that I can do a workout. And there are certain times that I definitely can't. Um, so I feel more structured and I, I love kind of having a bunch of different hats that I wear. Um, like I said, I'm a personal run coach. Um, and I see, I have 25 marathon specific clients right now. Um, I am also working for New York Roadrunners. I'm doing their virtual training program. Um, I'm a social media influencer. Um, I run professionally for Adidas and do a lot of their um, social media stuff with uh, being an ambassador for them. So there's just a lot of things that I'm doing. Um, 
And I'm really grateful for um, my husband, who's so supportive um, and keeping me healthy, too, because he's a sports chiropractor. Um, so like a live-in Cairo. So, yeah. Um, unfortunately for him, it's like he sees 25 <laughs> patients in a day, comes home, and I'm like, but Ian, my shoulders <laughs> So, no, it definitely takes a village. And um, I think I, I'm, I feel very fortunate that I have the kind of uh, lifestyle and job that I, I have, but I also couldn't see it any other way at this point. I love what I do. And it's great. How did you get to a place like that? Yeah. So I never, in my wildest dreams, I never thought I'd be a run coach. But um, when I started seeing my own progress, you know, I went from a 326 to now a 240 in the marathon distance. Um, I started getting a lot of emails about, hey, would you consider coaching me? I, you know, I see your progress. It's inspiring. I'd like to do something similar myself or I want to BQ. That's my lifelong dream. And so I took a few clients on just on the side. And at the time I had my master's in social work and I was a clinical social worker at Tufts Medical Center. And I, I loved working with clients, um, you know, seeing or helping, you know, individuals that were in the hospital, but it wasn't as fulfilling for me because I was in a very, I was in critical care. And so once I left the floor, I would always wonder like, you know, how are they doing? Right. Like, you know, did I do enough? And I like seeing the progress that I'm seeing with, um, with runners that, that are being trained by me. So I started doing that just on the side and then realized, Hey, I could actually make a living out of this and I'm getting enough clients that, um, it makes sense to be doing this more full time. Um, so yeah, like I said, I do wear a lot of hats. There's a few different jobs that I kind of have, but my main priority right now is my personal run coaching that I can do from home. Awesome. Yeah. And let's talk about social media. You mentioned you, you do it for yourself. You do it for Adidas a little bit. Yeah. Um, how do you approach that? Uh, how do you, yeah. How do you approach that? So I guess I started really with it maybe in 2014 or so. I just started, you know, posting how my runs went. And, you know, my training, my progress. Um, and I would start tagging at the time I was running for the, the Boston Athletic Association. So I would start tagging, you know, hashtag Adidas runner or yeah. whatever. And, um, that caught their eye. Um, and so they asked me to go to a, an event out in LA, which was actually for, um, EIM, which is like entertainment industry management or something like that. So it was the launch of a new shoe, the pure boost. And, um, that it kind of took off from there. Honestly, I, I started getting more kind of sponsorship opportunities. Um, Adidas asked me to be one of their ambassadors for Adidas women. Um, and I think with my own running success and just kind of documenting how my training's going, I've gotten a lot of other followers now, new moms <laughs> that are runners, um, that, just like to be inspired to kind of, you know, hey, you're not you're not going to be the same runner you were before kid. You actually might be better. Right. And and I I think I can speak to that that I actually am a better runner and I am more confident in my abilities and I feel like um less anxious before races and in workouts now being a mom because it's yeah, you just have a totally different outlook on life and Why do you so, think that is? I think for me now, like I, I always used to use running as kind of an outlet, um, or at least I would say that it was an outlet for stress. You know, I would have a hard work day as a social worker and then I would go out for a run and be like, well, I'm using, you know, it's, it's just because I want to stay in shape, but no, really it was to clear my mind. Yeah. And, um, I think I never really thought about it like that so much until I had Riley 
And then I'm like, well, I need this time yeah. to myself as a mom. Like I, I enjoy going for runs with him in the stroller and that's great too. And we listen to Sesame Street on repeat. Um, but I love having the time to myself and to dedicate something to me. Yeah. Um, and so when I see personal growth in my running, I'm like, that's my time to like, to shine, yeah. to, to do something specifically for me. So as I don't think of it as much now as like, oh, the pressure of, you know, winning a race or completing a workout in the pace. I think more of it as like, I'm just going to do my best and I'm going to enjoy it because this is time that I get just to me. That's awesome. Yeah. So how did you come back after um, giving birth to Riley? How, what was the process like for that? Well, I'll backtrack by saying that social media can be a blessing and a curse for so many reasons. But for me, I was looking at a lot of my running friends and people that I aspire to in um, in the running community and seeing them post pictures of them running at 40 weeks pregnant, you know, and crushing it. And I was like, oh, that's going to be me. I'm going to enjoy running throughout my pregnancy. Why wouldn't I? I'm strong, like I'm capable. And it was like a hard stop after like 16 weeks. Um, I ran the Boston Marathon and I was felt fine. And then literally two weeks later, I had really bad round ligament pain, like just didn't feel comfortable. So I literally walked for like 20 weeks of my mar or my um, pregnancy journey and wasn't really loving it. <laughs> I was feeling really out of shape. So I was not confident that I was going to come back strong. Um, and I remember even I was quoted in this um, book about the Boston Marathon where I said I had a, I had Riley in my arms. He was a probably two months old. And I said, yeah, my, um, my, my big goal for this year is to re-qualify for the Olympic trials. And I said that, and I was like, you know, that's probably not going to happen. Like, look at me, like I'm not, I'm not in shape. And I'm sad that I thought that way at the time because but I you still said it, I said it, but I was like, do I really believe it? Yeah. Um, and at that time, I was going to be running the Boston Marathon five months postpartum, but I didn't know. I was I thought maybe I was going to run a you know three thirty instead of what I ended up running. And um, I think what I did was at six weeks postpartum, um, I got the clearance from my OB, and I waited deliberately until six weeks because I knew that. I was going to be more prone to stress fractures. We'd, you know, my husband sees this all the time. Women come back too soon from having a baby and kind of jump right back into running. And um, you get a lot of injuries. Our bodies are very different and they're still healing for many, many weeks. Um, so I waited until six weeks. And then at the six weeks mark, I brought my running clothes to my OB appointment. <laughs> she cleared me to run and I ran home. <laughs> you literally couldn't wait I any longer. I literally couldn't wait any longer. Um, at that point it had been like eight months of like <laughs> yeah. no running or something crazy like that. So, um, that felt like crap to be honest. Like I did not feel that good. Um, I think I was pushing like nine thirty pace and I was like, wow, maybe it's not going to get any better. Um, but a friend of mine, um, Robin Arzon, who works for Peloton, she's, she had this like kind of crazy December um, challenge where it was like three miles for 31 days, a so three for 31. And I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm just going to try. And yeah. even if I have to, you know, walk every minute, I'm going to do it. So I ran three miles for every day in December. And by the end of December, I was like from going was from 9 2017? Uh, yeah. I went from running like 9.30 pace to probably like eight minute pace and not huffing and puffing and not having to stop. 
So I guess the key to my message here is like, just stick with it. Your body does remember, you know, how you ran before pregnancy. And, um, I think it, you come, you pounce, you bounce back a lot faster than you think you will. Like women's, our bodies are amazing. And it's pretty incredible that I felt good enough to run just a few months later in the Boston marathon. Um, off of pretty short training. That's awesome. <laughs> so another guest I've had on the podcast, Neely Spence Gracie, um, who you'll be sharing a start line with uh, in a couple weeks, talked about this with her son Athens. And it was fascinating. She talked about the exact same thing. Like you carve out time in your schedule and that's when you get it done. And if you don't get it done that time, you're not, it's not happening. Um, I had a conversation with uh, with our CEO about this and, and he was commenting on uh, somebody not f- saying that they didn't have enough time in their day to do all the things they wanted. He's like, try having four kids or five kids or whatever or three kids or two kids or one kid. And he's like, you'll figure it out. Like, you'll find the time. And I'm sitting here with no kids and I'm single and, you know, I'm like, how the hell do you guys do it? It's it's crazy. It's it's so impressive. Um and I think it's just, it's amazing that like it can be done with all of these different variables or, or different um, time commitments. So yeah, you just, you just make it work. Like when I was training for the um, 2018 Berlin marathon, um, that was where I was going for my Olympic trials time. And I think I did most of my training runs with Riley in a stroller. And honestly, I chalked up my time. I ran a 241 there. And I swear it was because I was basically doing resistance training all (laughs) All the time. Yeah. Yeah, Like he was pretty young. I just, you know, would throw him in the stroller, bundle him up, and we'd go out for like six to 10 miles at a time. And come race day, you'd lose 70 pounds. Yeah. (laughs) No, seriously, it's, it's a, (laughs) it's not easy. Like I always like applaud women now. Like I always say, nice work when I see a woman go by with a double stroller yeah. because single is hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's awesome. So another question that I wanted to ask about was, um, so you work with Adidas. Um, was there anything related to your pregnancy that you communicated with them or, or how did that look? Yeah. So when I first started doing some work with them, I got a contract um, through Adidas Women. Um, and this was prior to getting pregnant. So interestingly enough, you know, I, I didn't know any better. It, it's like any company, you know, you reach out, they reach out to you and they say, this is what we want to pay you th- this. We want you to be our ambassador. And I wrote back like, I'm absolutely would love to. This was right after the my first Olympic trials in 2016. I was like, I would absolutely love to. I do just want to give you guys a heads up though. Like we're thinking about having a baby in the next year. Does that change anything? And it was like a pretty quick response. Like, yeah, that changes a lot. Um, like that's probably not what we're looking for right now, but we'll get back to it at another point. And I was devastated mostly because, um, I felt that most women are afraid to even say that they're trying or are pregnant. And so I felt like I was being the bigger person, just being like, Hey, I just want to give you a year heads up. Um, 
And then it turned out that it actually took us over a year to get pregnant. So that whole year that I could have been like having Under a contract. pretty awesome contract, um, I didn't have anything because I had told them that I was maybe trying to get pregnant. So why do you think that is? It's literally the most humanizing, and I mean that like in every sense of the word, the most humanizing aspect of life. Yeah. I mean, look at this like dream maternity. Like yeah. I'm like so proud of the women that have kind of been such pioneers in, in that because yeah, it really, it, it stinks. And this was before, um, all of the like kind of dream maternity stuff came out and the contract changes, um, to include maternity leave. Um, and so, yeah, I was really hurt, um, by that, but I will say I, I work for them now and, um, they truly like rectify that situation. So, um, basically I, I got pregnant, um, I was still in contact with Adidas running. Um, I ended up um, getting a new contract with them when I was still pregnant. So they didn't care. You know, at that point they were like, no, we just, we think you're like a normal person that is still an elite runner and can kind of speak to a a big group of women. Aspirationally, yeah. Aspirationally, yeah. I'm I'm kind of the norm, but also I, I am kind of more of an elite runner at this point. So it's, it's cool to kind of straddle that line. Um, and so, yeah, I, I signed a contract with them more as a, an athlete now. And, um, I get to, to do some really cool events and things with them, but more than anything, like a really cool thing that I'm getting to do now is that they are sending me, like I'm getting the elite kit that like Mary Katani's wearing. Yeah. Like I feel a little weird to be wearing the same kit as Mary Katani. I'm not nearly anywhere near her caliber and never will be. Um, but it's, it's really cool that, that they put, you know, they think highly enough of me as a, a mom and an athlete and kind of just a runner in the women's running community, um, that, that they feel like I, I can represent them in that way. So that's awesome. All right. A couple more related questions and then we'll change topics a little bit. Um, we have a, a fan submitted question here. Uh, what is the best place in Boston to get coffee with a two-year-old? I think you know who, who asked this one. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I think it <laughs> it has to be Cafe Fix and this has to be from Mark Shore. And you're right. You can only go with a blueberry muffin. Nice. Yeah. So you mentioned Mark. Um you share a lot of miles with Mark. I share a lot of miles with Mark. Uh let's talk the Boston running community. Um do you do a lot of running with, with other people? Yeah. But I will preface by saying, and Mark will love this story. We met in a very unconventional running way. He is the friendliest runner in Boston, I think. (laughs) And he was being treated by my husband, Ian, and was like, oh, I'm looking to run this time in the marathon. And Ian was like, oh, you should do some miles with my wife. And I had never met Mark before. I'd heard of him because everyone knows Mark in the Boston running community. But I was running one day, like just tunnel vision, not even paying attention. And like, he literally goes out to slap my hand. He's like, Hey, we should run together. And so he like turned around and like continued on my miles with me. I'm like, I don't know this guy at (laughs) all, but sure. Okay, whatever. And so we do some miles together. And then literally the rest is history. I think we just ended up meeting up for like multiple runs per week. He shared many miles with Riley and I. Um, he is a saint for listening to C is for Cookie on repeat. Um, and he's even pushed the stroller sometimes. Um, but we always end with coffee at Cafe Fix um, because it's right around the corner from us and Riley enjoys Mark's company. So 
So that, yes, that is the Boston running community. I feel very fortunate that this is where we live because I've been to cities where I've tried to go for a run and people look at you crazy when you're like running down the street or doing some type of workout. Um, here it's so normal. There's so many people to run with and, um, so many groups and organizations. So, you know, I've, I've run with the heartbreakers. I've run with groups of women that are from all different teams that just have the same common goal. You know, I will, I'll go out for stroller miles with Mark and, and you, (laughs) um, so Next time we're not going as far. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going as far. I know we kind of deviated <laughs> from the plan, but um, but yeah, no, I just I I love that, and I love how sometimes I'll go out for a run, not meaning to meet up with anyone, and then you just see you someone do, on yeah. the course, and you turn around and you join them for some miles. So I love that about Boston. Yeah, and Mark in particular, it's all so I run with him pretty much every Tuesday. And, um, or most Tuesdays and he'll know like between three and 10 people every run and he'll say hi to another 10 people and give high fives. And it's the, it's the best. Um, what's your favorite section on the Boston marathon course? Ooh. Um, so I live at in Washington square now. So mile 23 has been really important to me for the last few years that I've run it. Um, because in 2018, when the weather was so crappy, um, my uh, Ian and Riley and my parents and Ian's parents were all still out in the rain with huge umbrellas and snowsuits, like watching me come through. And so I knew I just had to get there. And, you know, this was a celebra- celebration run for me. Like I wasn't really going for time. Um, so I was really looking forward to those miles. Um, and plus it's all downhill from there. So (laughs) that's really important to me. It's, and also, um, this past year was my first year running in the elite field for Boston. So it was like, I just had my eyes on getting to 23 and I knew that I could get through three more at that pace if I could get to them. Um, and then of course, um, heartbreak, Hill Running Company always has like so many people out there cheering that I look forward to that, um, mile 20. Um, and I think probably my other favorite part is around in Natick. Um, we actually canned some wellness in motion beer last year, <laughs> um, at this pl- random place in Natick. And we ran into, I think they're called the Mile 10 Beer Company. We, met the owners of that company and they were like, Oh, we're going to cheer for you. We'll be out at, we're right at the Natick line. Um, is that along the train tracks? No, not, Um, not it's close to that. Um, but I was like keeping my eyes peeled. It was between my miles nine and 10, I think. And I was just waiting for that, um, big cheer section. And so I will always be excited to see them there now, um, to kind of like have these groups that I look forward to along the way. It's so fun. The first year I ran it, I wrote, on my arm, on my forearm, like eight different, like mile three, <laughs> mile five, mile whatever, uh, and who would be there? And it's like a super awesome way to um, to to uh, jump back and forth and stay motivated as as time goes on. Yeah, um, well, and I, I forgot one. My parents always go to mile sixteen, like right by Newton Wellesley Hospital, um, and so that is like that was always the like. Just get there, just right. get there. But now that we live in Washington Square, it's right. a little easier for everyone to just hang out there. <laughs> nice. Um, so you just ran Houston and you ran a minute and a half PR in the half marathon. You ran a 75.06 or 115.06. What's it like going that fast for that far? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, I really had, I didn't know what I was capable of going into that race. I knew I was going to be running a PR because I felt like I was much more in shape than I was when I ran a 116.30 um, back in October. And I knew this was a fast course because there's so many people running. I mean, I still came in 56th (laughs) female running a 115. Wow. 56. So yeah, it was super fast. Like all the women running in the trials were running. Like 69. Yeah, Yeah. it was just insane. So um, yeah, it was... It was a really, really cool experience. I think my favorite part that I'll always remember is that I, so you start, the starting line is crazy because it's half uh, marathoners and half half marathoners. And it's a madhouse because there's so many fast people. You're right. like, well, do I hang behind the fast marathoners right. or am I like go, you know, like where do I, where do I go? So I was a little scared that I wasn't going to find like a pack and I was going to go out too fast or too slow. Um, but somehow I ran into Allie Kiefer and Alexi Pappas, and um, Allie was actually um, pacing the 230 marathon group. And so I knew if, if I could hang with her for those eight miles where then the marathon course right. goes one way and the half goes the other, if I could hang with them in that pack, if I could get to eight at that rate, um, I Which was, was going to be in 542? good. Which was 542? Yeah. I was going to be in good shape. And so they, you know, we had some fast miles. We were running like, I think my fastest was like 536. And we had a bunch of those in there, but we had like a, uh, either a tailwind or a, a side wind. And then around mile eight, we, they left and there was most of the people in our group were actually running the marathon. <laughs> and so there was only like me and four other women, maybe like one other guy that were in a pack um, going for the half. And all of a sudden, like we turn into the head <laughs> and like, you know, our pace the wind dropped, out like, the sails, you know, eight, eight seconds per mile. And I was kind of like, Oh shoot. Like I knew I was on pace for one fourteen something if I could hold on. And we just hit this headwind and it was like so hard to, to hold the pace. Yeah. So I'm like, I know I shouldn't be disappointed because it's still a really big PR, but when you're so close to right. the next number down, like I was close to a 74. Um, but, you know, it gives me ammo for the next one. Yeah. So I'm excited. The photos out of Houston were so cool. You, like there, I saw a bunch of like Sarah Hall surrounded by this massive pack um, of, of people running in the marathon. And it was just like, what a cool opportunity that you can run with athletes of that caliber and share the same space in either the same distance or half the distance or twice the distance. So I thought that was awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think this is why I always remember this race and why I loved it so much was I was like, there's no way in hell I would ever be able to run Allie Kiefer's pace. (laughs) Like if she was running the half, she'd be running like six minutes faster. Right. But you know, she's running the full at my half marathon (laughs) pace. So of course I, you know, I can hold on to that. Um, I don't know. We did some seven fifteen miles with her on the on the marathon course. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I chased was, her up heartbreak and got dropped. But <laughs> but it was it was a really cool experience. And actually, this I sound such like such a fan girl right now. But at one point we were um, running all together, and she was the pacer, so she probably wasn't even like working that hard. But she went and got her elite bottle from the, the water station, and I was part of the ADP, the American Development Program, so I didn't get bottles. And so um, I missed one of the water stops just because of where we were on. The, we were kind of like on one side of the course, and she holds up her bottle. She's like, "Anyone need a bottle?" And I was like, 
me <laughs> I need a bottle so I shared Allie Keeper's water bottle <laughs> at mile like five isn't she the friendliest person ever yeah she's really nice she's really nice was Alexi telling haikus during the race no she was pretty focused actually <laughs> I don't think she made a peep um or at least she didn't when I heard her but, yeah um she had an incredible race she had like a nine minute she PR ran, yeah I think she ran like 234 yeah um and she looked so strong until we left it at eight miles and I went one way and she went the other. I was like, wow, it's, it's amazing that they're going to hold this pace for another half. Like there's no way I could ever do anything more than just the half at this pace. Um, yeah, I think it's such a, it's so cool to share miles like that in that, in that capacity and at that speed. Yeah. Um, what are you looking forward to most about the trials? I think, um, so for me and I'm, pretty transparent about this. I have told a lot of people, I feel like the trials for me are a really big celebration of all the hard work I've put in this year because we do want to have more kids. And I think, you know, probably it's no surprise. There's gonna be a lot of women that run in the trials that are gonna be like, okay, now it's time to think about babies because it's another four years till we get to do this. Um, and so I've been telling Caitlin, my coach, I'm like, you know, I'm just going to put it all out there. Like if I blow up and mile 20, because I've been running like too fast, like, okay, at least I tried. Like I want to go out with a vengeance and not to go out with a vengeance, but I might be taking a little break (laughs) at some point in the next couple of years. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm just using this as like going as as shooting your shot. Yeah. Just going for it. And, um, that's kind of how I felt at the, at, um, Houston too, is just go for it. Like if I was going to blow up after doing a bunch at 540 pace, well, it's still good for the trials. Like who cares? I went for it. So my coach uses that line, shoot your shot. And it's like, if you come up short, better than not trying at all. Yeah. Um, and I, I think there's going to be some, there'll be some fireworks down there in, uh, in Atlanta. I think it's going to be amazing to watch. Yeah. I think the trials are interesting too, because everyone goes out really hard and fast and they're like, this is my opportunity. Like, and it's anyone's game, right. you know, like <laughs> we, the top three women are going to the Olympics right. and anything could happen. Like, look, when Des won Boston, like she said she had felt like crap that day and she was so far back. And then somehow, she, you know, people dropped out. She just continued on. Like anything could happen. Not saying I'm going to make the Olympics, but you know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I probably have about 75 women ahead of me that would, that would be <laughs> probably, you know, going to take my spot. But, um, but yeah, no, it's like, I think I'm going to, be focused more on placement and just kind of, you know, shooting big. And when I ran in the trials in 2016, I was, you know, running with people and then they would fall back. I mean, the heat really gets you. The hills are going to get some people. So, so you ran really in LA. Game. Yeah. That was a hot one. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have enough water. It was, it was on a highway. <laughs> it was at noon. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. I think Atlanta is a little bit more prepared. So do you think that the training you're doing now uh, puts you in a good place for a course like Atlanta? I hope so. I think we are definitely in a good, um, place like Boston with the Newton Hills to be training on the Hills will definitely impact my race. You know, some people are training in flat places like Florida or something, and then they go to the, the trials and it's, it's hilly and you, you know, you have to, you have to be doing some Hills in order to have a good race, but, and then there's someone like downhills are important too. Yeah. And then there's someone like Jim Walmsley, who's doing, you know, 30,000 feet of climbing every week. Yeah. That's crazy. (laughs) So somewhere in between. 
Um, so what do you, what do you think about at mile 20 of a marathon or mile 10 of a half marathon? Um, a lot of things <laughs> I think about my son, my husband, I think about just staying in the moment, staying in that mile and just breaking it up into smaller chunks because I used to do this thing where, you know, the first few miles of the race being like, oh my gosh, I still have 11 more miles to go. Like, how am I going to be able to hold this pace? Well, it makes it a lot more manageable if you say, just stay in the moment, just get through this mile and reassess. And the thing about distance running, half marathons, marathons, probably ultras, haven't done one yet, is that it's a roller coaster. There are miles where you feel like crap and then the next mile you feel okay and you just have to stick with it. So I work with um, Emily Saul as my sports psychologist and she's amazing. And one thing she said to me, we had a meeting right before Houston. She was like, have you ever done any visual, like physical visualizations? And I was like, what do you mean by that? And she's like, well, think about when you're feeling crummy in a workout or in the, in the race and you have these negative thoughts like, oh, there's no way I'm going to be able to hold this pace or, you know, I suck. <laughs> um, think of those as a physical object, like a weight that you're holding in your hands, hand weights. And when you have those negative thoughts, what you can do is pretend like you're dropping the weights. Just let those go. And then think of something positive like, okay, just, you know, I'm going to stick with this mile. I'm strong. I am, I'm capable of this pace. And think of those as like boosters on your shoes or rockets or something like that. So I did do that at Houston and it really did make a difference. You know, I, I second guess myself a few times being in the group that I was in. Like, okay, why am I running with Alexi Pappas and Ali Kiefer? <laughs> like, maybe I'm way out of my comfort zone here. But then I looked down at my watch and I wasn't. Like, I actually, I deserved to be there. Yeah. I was I was a 115 marathoner um, on that day. And I um, felt really good crossing the finish line. So a lot of it is mental, I think. And if you can find ways like mantras or visualizations or just ways to keep your your mind active and and positive as opposed to going down this negative spiral that can happen in distance racing um i think it it makes a huge difference for sure i wasn't going to go there but you said it so i'm going to i'm going to go there uh you said you haven't yet done an ult you haven't done an ultra yet and i know we've talked about some 50k's and stuff in the past so um tell me more about that comment you just made yeah. So, <laughs> well, actually, I've been pretty inspired. Des did a, an interview with the Clean Sport Collective that I listened to the other day, and she was talking to Kara, and Kara asked her, would you, know, would you ever do an ultra? And she said, yeah, of course. Like, <laughs> that's kind of the next right. step, you know, like, why not? Um, but I, I started thinking about it last year because um, a good friend of mine, Sarah Bard, she's an incredible ultra and trail runner at this point. And, um, today's her birthday, I think. Oh, happy birthday, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she said to me like, Oh, I think you'd be really good at the 50 K, but you can qualify for the national team by using your marathon time. And my marathon time qualified me and I hadn't done an ultra yet, but I was like, well, I'll just submit an application to see if I could be part of the 50 K team that was going to be in Romania last June. And, um, I think they considered me, but because I hadn't run ultra, you know, I wasn't high up on the list. So I think my next step is that I would love to be like, who wouldn't want to be on a U.S. team? Um, I 
think that I would really like to try a 50K and see if I could like have a qualifying time to then reapply for the US team because yeah, it's like every four years you you get excited about the Olympic trials, but there's other things every to be excited year, yeah. about. And I, I think, yeah, I think that's like a new challenge for sure. Cool. Um, so on this podcast, I talk with Kara Goucher about her entry into trail running and ultra running. And uh, she said, I think three times that the first trail marathon she did was harder than childbirth. <laughs> <laughs> I would, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> um, and then I wrongly told her that the um, North Face 50K was like a track meet ultra. And she was like, I was cursing you during that race. Like, this is not a track meet. Like, what kind of track meets are you a part of? <laughs> you think this is a track meet? <laughs> um, but there there are definitely some fast trail races that um, that you can do. So are you thinking road ultra, trail ultra? Oh yeah, I sorry. I should have I should have um prefaced by saying I was talking about the 50k road. Um trails I am interested in, but I also am very prone to ankle rolls. <laughs> yes. And um I haven't yet found the right shoes for that. Though Adidas did send me a pair of Terex, I think they're called. I haven't tried them yet. Yeah, they have an awesome uh trail team. Yeah. So, um, no, I'm not definitely not counting it out, but I think probably my next logical step would be 50k road. And then maybe that seems logical. <laughs> What's your recovery routine like? Um, I love massage. So I, yeah, I get a lot of massages at Wellness in Motion. Um, and I love, we have Normatex and I also have a Hypervolt, which I use on my, my own sometimes. Um, and then I'm really into um, Epsom salt baths. And after any workout and long run, I always have my momentous protein shakes. And honestly, that that combo usually works pretty well. But I also am a person that only does one workout per week and then my long run and then a bunch of easy days in mm -hmm. there. Um, so I think I actually get a lot more recovered because I have more recovery time right. between workouts too. So let's talk about that. I think there are a lot of people that are doing two, three, four workouts in a week maybe not four, but three. Yeah. Um, I used to do two in a long run. Um, and now I'm doing the same thing as you one on Wednesday and a long run sometimes with some work in it. What is your, what does your week look like? Um, so like this week, uh, because I ran a race on Sunday, I had Monday off, which was very welcomed. Um, usually that's kind of like my bar three or strength training day. Um, usually coupled with some easy miles Tuesday would be more like an aerobic eight to 10 um, with some strides to get ready for my workout. And then, by the way, Amanda did, uh, Amanda and I did strides together. I have never seen anyone look so smooth at a five oh, minute pace. Gosh, thank you. <laughs> well, I think it was just that we were doing them together. <laughs> Maybe a little more competitive. Set some, some, some course records going through the Boston Common. We should do that again. We should. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. And then Wednesdays is my workout day. So it's like anywhere from like 10 to 14 miles of work. Um, well, with some warm up and cool down. But um, like, for instance, I did eight by a mile or, you know, four by 2K. Um, I did two by five miles a couple weeks ago, which felt really good at marathon pace. So yeah, they're like longer workouts. Um, and then Thursday would be again, like aerobic longer miles friday easy miles and then saturday or sunday is my long run and the other day's easy so lots of easy nice yeah. i think that's the secret yeah uh what do you wish you knew five years ago or when you started running that you know today oh i think honestly 
to not take it so seriously. I know that sounds silly because when I first started, I was more of like a recreational runner, but it seems almost like it's reversed. It's like when I first started to see a little bit of success um, in the marathon, I got so like overwhelmed. I started worrying about what other people were going to think if I had a bad race or like getting nervous to go to track workouts with other people in case I couldn't keep up. And it's like, at the end of the day, nobody cares. Like they really don't. And I, I think it it would be totally different if I felt like, you know, this was my profession. And if if you don't win, you know, a world major race or something like you're not going to get new sponsorship. Um, but I, I feel lucky that, you know, we're kind of in this space where we're like good runners, but we're not like it's we're we don't totally rely on it as our profession. So yeah, I guess like more recently I've just been focusing on why I'm doing it and being happy I'm doing it because it's just something I love and I am competitive and it feeds that part of my soul, but also like it's such a stress reliever and it's me time. Um, and so the best I'm ever going to do is just like, or or when I have the best results, it's when I'm really just focused on me and having no expectations for what other people care or see or whatever. It's just about like doing my personal best. Um, so yeah, I, I wish that I had always felt this way, but I do think that it's really helped to be seeing a sports psychologist. Um, and also just after having a kid, I think I feel a little less pressure, which is a weird thing to say, but I, I do feel like I used to always think like, Oh, you know, there was a time where I was like, this is the biggest thing in my life. It's like, it's not, but I also am seeing more success now because I've let that go a little bit. So yeah. Cool. What's your why? My why for running because well, it's such an integral part of my life now, you know, it's, it's part of my work. It's, it's part of my, you know, self-care. Probably my why, my biggest why is self-care. I think it feeds like so many parts of me, you know, like I just said, the competitive side, um, the, I love like setting goals for myself and like attaining them. So I'm like very type A, like if I'm supposed to be doing 10 miles today, if I do nine, I'm going to feel really bad about myself. Like I just need to like have an order to things. Um, so it keeps me organized and structured, but for the most part, just gives me like a time to de-stress, to listen to a podcast or to hang out with friends that I don't usually get to see. So yeah. Cool. Give some high fives along the river. Yeah. Awesome. Where can we find you on social media? You can find me at Amanda runs Boston. That's my Instagram. Um, also Amanda runs is my coaching website and blog. And I, I have Twitter, but I don't really use it. It's just Amanda runs B O S boss. Cool. Yeah. And 30 second plug for wellness emotion. Ooh, Wellness in Motion Boston is a multidisciplinary chiropractic, acupuncture, massage, physical therapy, yeah, all types of sports-related treatment. Um, We are in Boston, so Downtown Crossing and Back Bay, and then also Brookline and soon-to-be Fort Point, though I probably shouldn't be saying that. (laughs) So come find us. Awesome. And I've been going to Wellness in Motion for couple of years now and I see Brian on a weekly basis and all of the massage therapists on a regular basis and it's definitely kept me kept me going so thank you guys for all you guys do thank you of course and thanks for joining today
That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.